going to have just a short video to kind of give us an outline of where we're headed for the next few weeks. It is the Advent season, so Merry Christmas. Uh, it is now, it's now appropriate. Uh, Halloween is over. Thanksgiving is over. Now we can say Merry Christmas, uh, and we can officially listen to Christmas music without judgment. Um, <laughs> but we are going to be doing a series uh, over the next few weeks as we lead into Christmas um, with our Advent calendar, or Advent um, candles, lanterns this, this year. We're going to switch up our Advent a little bit. And uh, today we're going to talk about peace. But before we do that, uh, let's pray and uh, invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and minister to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your presence that is already here. That you're, you're anointing over our worship team and in our communion times as we've prayed and ministered to each other. Father, I pray that you would be with our kids as they're upstairs learning to be more like you. Lord, that your anointing would rest on us as we explore your word and what you have to say about peace in this crazy season. In Jesus' name, amen. Every year, Christians all over the world light candles for each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This season of celebration and anticipation is called Advent. These candles hold significance as they represent four key biblical themes that came to their fulfillment in the arrival of Jesus. Peace, hope, joy, and love. This word study dives into the Hebrew and Greek origins and meanings of each of these words. All right. So Advent. Does anybody know what the word Advent means? Coming, I'm hearing like you're afraid to say it out loud. Uh, it's exactly that. It, Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event, right? It's the, the advent of electricity, the advent of, you know, whatever, something. And so this season, uh, other ways you could say it is, is uh, appearance or emergence and so when we talk, we call this season Advent, it's announcing the coming of someone. And obviously we know, uh, hopefully we know who that is. It's the, the, the birth of Christ as we recognize and celebrate Christmas. And it's not just that, though. It's kind of like what, it's like what we say almost every week with communion, is that we are looking back at what happened, because Christmas already happened, Right, two thousand plus years ago, he came, and and we celebrate that. We celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, and again, we're not going to get into the logistics of well, did he really? Was he really born on December twenty fifth? Probably not. Um, he was probably born in the springtime, uh, but that's okay. Uh, however, the church has kind of put this on the calendar for December twenty fifth. That's really all that matters, that we're recognizing that he came. Let's not worry about when he came, but he came. Literally, he came. And so for us, as, as we jump into this season, I want us to focus and prepare our hearts. And so to kind of unpack that a little bit, I, I want to give some explanation as to what this season of Advent, where it came from, and, and how it can apply to us today. So it, it comes from the, the Latin word adventus, 
and it means coming. And in the, in the Bible, um, the, the Greek word for that is parousia. And what's interesting is that for the, the scholars believe that during the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain, uh, Advent was a season of preparation for baptism of new Christians. And they would historically be baptized in January uh, where, where the, the church celebrated this thing called the Epiphany. And the Epiphany is uh, where we put in the church calendar that moment where the kings visit the Christ child, not the baby, but the, the, the child, because he was probably a couple of the, the magi, again, were blowing up all the, the uh, Christmas stereotypes that the wise men were not in Bethlehem uh, with the shepherds. Uh, the shepherds came the night of the birth, but the wise men came later um, when they brought their gifts because he wasn't in a cave when the, she- when the wise men showed up. He was in a house. Uh, so time has passed, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but we we like to lump all things together in nice, warm, cozy sets, right? And so in our nativity set, we have shepherds and we have wise men um, because we don't have multiple nativity sets. We don't have a, a Christmas nativity set and then an epiphany set. That would be a lot of work. Um, anyways, but I think it's really interesting that that in the early church calendar, that it was kind of like their church at the beach, that... At Epiphany in January, where they celebrated that moment where the wise men came and brought their gifts to Mary and Joseph and to the child, that um, that was a point in the calendar that new Christians chose to show their commitment. And so what they would do, uh, they took baptism very, very seriously, uh, as do we, um, but they, they added some pretty significant preparation that they would actually spend 40 days in prayer and in fasting to prepare for their water baptism, which is what brings us to the beginning of December, that that the season of Advent is their preparation to get ready for their water baptism that would happen in January. Uh, And so, But somewhere around the 6th century, Roman Christians tied Advent to the birth of Christ. And and what is interesting, that the, the coming that they had in mind was it wasn't so much about his first coming, that the, the baby in the manger, but it was Advent was tied to the, the idea that his second coming, that he was going to return and, ju- and judge the world. So that it was a, initially a preparation, the season of Advent, for baptism, which is awesome. Um, and then it was, let's remember that he's coming again, Right, that Advent, he's going to appear again in the clouds, and it's going to be amazing. And then somewhere in the in the sixth century, uh, it then got connected. Or not in the sixth century, in the Middle Ages, Advent got connected to the first coming in, in Christmas. And it's it's interesting. I find it interesting that for us as Christians now in the twenty first century, that we're kind of in a similar position that the early uh, the, the the Jews were in the Old Testament. And why do I say that? So I say that because all throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites were hoping for something, right? What were they hoping for? A Messiah, right? They were hoping for and and it was it was a long time. It did he didn't show up right away. 
He was promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, which I think is amazing when we think about the story of the Bible, that the promise that the Messiah was going to come literally starts in the first book. In, in the third chapter, like the very, very beginning of the book, that promise that, that God made when He told the serpent, look, your days are numbered. And there's going to come a day when I'm going to send my servant and he is going to, he is going to crush your head. You're going to wound him, but you're not going to kill him. But you're done. You're cooked. And, and so for, for several thousand years, the Israelite people are hoping and waiting for this Messiah to come. Right? That, that, that first Christmas. And for us, we're now in a similar situation that for us, Advent looks back at that first Christmas. It looks back at that moment where they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And so we celebrate that, right? We get excited about it. And we put up lights and we put up decorations and, and we, we celebrate the birth of Christ. But we're in that same position where now just like the, the Israelites were in anticipation of His coming, we are now in that position of anticipation that we're waiting for Him to come again. Right? That it's not just let's just be good people and, and, and hope we go to heaven when we die, but that we are in expectation that someday, maybe today, that He is going to split the sky and come... And, and return to take us to be with Him. That's, that's the whole point of the story. And so when we think about that, when we hear that, I, I, I don't know that we, we necessarily have that anticipation in our hearts when we celebrate Christmas because it's about, you know, it's about baby Jesus and watching Elf and a Christmas story and did I get a right, did I get enough presents for all my kids and is it fair Right? Did I, did we buy more presents for this child than we did for that child? And I, right? And, and it's all of those things that we think about at Christmas time when this season is to be a season of us to prepare our hearts for His, His coming, His appearance, His emergence, that He's coming again. So, I, I, I really, it hit me. Um, when I saw this in the very, very powerful Christmas hymn, we didn't sing it this morning, but if you're familiar, the, the, the story it gets sparked again about midway through the Old Testament when the prophet Isaiah starts talking about the promise that's coming, that, that Emmanuel is coming. That, 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 that word means God with us. Not just he's going to raise up a king. Literally, God himself is going to show up and he's going to be with us. So when we, when we sing those words from that, the beautiful hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, listen to what they say as we, as we kind of put ourselves in the proper perspective. They say, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here, until the Son of God appears, rejoice, rejoice, 
Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And so as, as Israel sang these songs of expectation for those years leading up all the way through the Old Testament, now we are in that same position where we're singing these songs, O Jesus, come quickly. As we, as we, we celebrate this Christmas season. And, and so I want us to, to really grab a hold of that this year for Christmas. And, and let's not lose our focus and, and the why behind what we celebrate. So today, uh, as, as, we, as we unpack this, this season for us, it's a reminder that for centuries, Christians around the world have used these four weeks leading up to, to Christmas to prepare themselves for the celebration of Jesus' birth. And it's a time when we observe his first coming. It's that time where we also look forward to his second coming, which could be any moment. And so each of the four weeks of Advent are tied around four powerful words. Uh, the first one is peace. Next week we're going to talk about hope. And then we're going to talk about joy. And then we're going to talk about love. And the Old Testament it looked expectantly for the advent of God's forever king. That was their hope, right? That he was going to show up and he was going to change everything. The anointed one would bring peace to his people. And so in anticipation, Isaiah cries out and and he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? And when that long-awaited Messiah finally came, angels announced His birth. Like, so much better than a Facebook post. So much better than, than you know, uh, uh, having a, a stork sign. I remember when, uh, I think it was when Jesse was born, um, we had that giant stork sign that we, we put out in the front yard that, that and it had space to put all her vitals, like when she was born and how big she was. And, uh, right? How cool must it have been to literally have an angelic host uh, show up to announce his arrival? And they said, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be for all people that for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So that was huge. That was something that they've been looking for for a long time, something they've been anticipating, something that they've been excited about, right? And last year we did the, the, the Christmas story uh, day, that, that anticipation. And, and I don't know about you, um, Sometimes this season can be a little stressful. Maybe not at your house. Um, right, but there's, there's all of the, all of the build up, right, getting ready for Thanksgiving, which was wonderful, right? And I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, we want to just again express our appreciation to you as your pastors and as our family. Uh, last Sunday was just beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, and, and so that was, was a huge blessing. Uh, to us, and we are so thankful for you. And and but you know, Thanksgiving, I I, I saw uh, tons of posts 
uh, all week long leading up to Thanksgiving all over social media about, hey, let's talk about politics so that we don't have to buy as many Christmas presents this year uh, at Thanksgiving. Um, that, 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 you know, let's tick off as many of our family members as we can on Thursday so that we don't have to worry about Christmas so much. Um, and I got to say, this year's Thanksgiving was awesome. Um, we had a great, we, the Dickerson house, it was fantastic. Uh, everyone, everyone was on their best behavior and it was, it was wonderful to be with family. Um, it doesn't always happen though, right? It doesn't always happen. Um, and, and so then we get into this, this anticipation now, like for, I don't know about you, um, but sometimes at our house, uh, the Thanksgiving, um, coma kind of starts to wane, right? As you, as you've worked out all the tryptophan out of your system and, and you, you, hopefully not spent too much time out in the insanity of Black Friday. Uh, but for us, it's that, that Friday-Saturday window is when we set up all of our Christmas, right? And so in that two-day span, all of the Thanksgiving and fall and harvest things in our house have to get put away. And then in that two-day span, then all of the Christmas things have to go out, which then means everything that's hanging on the walls has to come down. Furniture has to be moved. A tree has to come out and fit somewhere in the house. Um, and, you know, it's supposed to be this beautiful, family-oriented, like, celebration as we're getting ready for Christmas. And we did not get that. And, and it's the things that we do to ourselves, right? To prepare for Christmas. Um, and I, at one point, I, I think I heard, well, that's it. I'm not putting out one more thing. I don't even care if any of your ornaments make it on the tree. You don't want to put your ornaments on the tree? I don't even, see, I'm not even telling the story on a kid this time. <laughs> but all of this is, is in preparation to celebrate the coming of the Lord. Right? And isn't that so God-honoring that we're like mad at each other? Right? It's crazy. It's crazy what we do to prepare. And so what I want us to remember is that over the next few Sundays, is this is, this is the time for us to refocus so that we're not all crazy about the decorations and the presents and the stuff of Christmas but that we can remember that, that throughout the Bible, God promised the advent. He promised the coming of His Son, Jesus. It's the most important event in all of human history. And there's going to be a sequel. He's coming again. There's going to be that the story's not over for us. And so as the Old Testament looked expectantly to the advent of God's forever King, this anointed one who would bring peace to his people, those promises were fulfilled, but there are still promises yet to be fulfilled that we are in anticipation of. And so one of those, as we, as we look at the, the themes of Christmas, the, one of the really, really powerful ones, as, as we've got the first light of our, our Advent system lit, 
is uh, the word shalom, the word peace. And, and peace is very common in our language. In English, peace is, right, we, we, right if, you, if you are familiar with the 70s and bell bottoms and beads, peace, right? Uh, if you see uh, in rap culture, the, 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 you know, they use the peace symbol. In hippie culture, they, oh, dude, peace. Um, yeah, like like rappers will throw the peace sign or kid like if it, we don't do rabbit ears anymore. The, the kids they throw peace and they and then what the kids do? Maybe they don't do that anymore. I don't know what the kids do, um, right? But we we hear this word peace and and it can it can bring up lots of different meanings. What I think is so absolutely amazing um, about this word and and I've heard the I've heard the word shalom used in lots of different contexts before, right? Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word. Um, but I don't know that I ever saw the power of shalom until I started to prepare for today. And so I, I just, I, I'm really, really excited about unpacking peace for us today because it's a very important word in the Bible and it's not just about the absence of conflict. Right, because we we want we we want to pray for world peace, right? If you watch any of the Miss America pageant, all the the what are they 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 I'm wishing for world peace, and we're wishing for you know peace on earth, and we have this idea that peace is just the absence of conflict, but it's so much more than that, and so we want to explore the meaning of biblical peace, and how it all leads to Jesus. So to do that. Justin, let's let's start with that video clip. Peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. 
The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Wow. Have you heard that before? I don't know that I've ever heard that before. And it makes so much sense that He came to bring brokenness into wholeness. That literally that first act in the garden where Adam and Eve said, you know what, God, we've got this. We're going to do this our own way. They broke the wholeness. They broke the perfection that God intended for them to walk in and live in. And he said, okay, I got a plan. We're not not even going to miss a beat. You blew it, and I've got a plan. And I'm going to send my Messiah, and he's going to bring shalom. He's going to bring peace. He's going to restore brokenness. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Shalom. I love that idea that the core idea of this is that life is complex. There are tons of moving parts. It feels sometimes like there are so many moving parts I can't keep track of them all. Right? It's, it's like... Um, for me, as I was thinking about that, that the idea of shalom is completeness. It reminded me of those days when my boys were younger and they got a Lego set for Christmas. And, and so when you, when you take the, the Legos out of the box, there is a sense of order there, right? You have all the pieces, uh, but they're all in bags. 
and they're, they're in bags that, that kind of correspond to different parts of the build as you're building whatever that is. But if, uh, if you step back and you let your kids into the process, what happens? They tear open those bags and there is no longer order, right? There is chaos. There is the opposite of shalom because now you have Lego pieces all over the floor of their bedroom and, and there is no, there is no completeness to it. There is that, and for me as an OCD dad, there is that fear that we're going to lose a piece. And that at the end of the day, once we've gone through the process of putting this thing together, there's going to be that one critical piece that is under a bed or is that the dog has eaten or has mysteriously disappeared down into the heat vent. And now you can't put this, you cannot bring shalom to this. Because you've lost a piece, or you've broken a piece, and uh, or, or or there's that moment where uh, you have finished that that last piece clicks into place, and you're like, you know, the the angels sing, uh, and the light shines from heaven on this this perfect completion of of Lego beauty. Um, that then you have to tell the children you're not allowed to play with this because you'll break it, right? Any, any, any dads? In the, moms? Yeah, right? Um, I love that, 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 that this idea, that, that peace that God wants for us, uh, that life is complex, it's full of moving parts and relationships and situations, and when any of these is out of alignment, when any of those pieces is missing, your shalom breaks down, and life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. So when we when we're praying, God, Lord, I need your peace in my heart. I need your peace in my life. I pray that that this understanding of shalom helps you to pray better, uh, so, so that as you are asking God, God, I feel like all the pieces in my life are scattered all over the floor, like my kid's Lego project, and and I and I don't see how you can bring order. To this chaos. Anybody feel that way sometimes? Right? I love that, that idea uh, that literally goes all the way back throughout the Old Testament where, where God tells Joshua, um, he, comm- he follows the commands of Moses. Joshua chapter 8, verse 31. It says, He followed the commands of Moses that the Lord's servant had written in the book of instruction, a.k.a. the Bible, Make me an altar from stones that are shalom. Stones that are uncut. Stones that have not been shaped with iron tools. Stones that are complete. And build me an altar. And then, on that altar, you will present your burnt offerings and your peace offerings. That, that Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to bring restoration to this broken relationship that we have with you. Or when Job, in Job chapter 5, verse 24, he says, you will know that your home is safe when you survey your possessions. Nothing will be missing. That, that I, I, I think it was, my mom had a moment of shalom on Thanksgiving when 
all of the kids were together, right? We had shalom for the first time, um, which is powerful, um, that, that we can experience these moments of shalom. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, this is when the angels show up and they said, it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and shalom on earth to those with whom God is pleased. In Matthew, it says this, in uh, Matthew chapter one, beginning of the beginning of the New Testament, verses twenty one or twenty through twenty three, and this is when David has his encounter with the angel, and it says, as he considered this, the the uh, the idea that Mary was going to have a baby that's not his, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, "Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife." For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, this is Isaiah. This is the the prophecy that this fulfills. Isaiah said this. He said, look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name means restoration. It means that it's the whole point of of the brokenness that happened in Genesis 3 is now being restored, that God is putting the pieces back together because we're broken in our sins and we need to be saved from death. And so God provides the Messiah to restore us to wholeness. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven for your past mistakes. No one is beyond restoration. I love, and I think sometimes we, the, that, the opening video that we play every Sunday morning, that kind of creates that Pavlovian response of I hear that song, oh no, it's like the ringing of the bell. We don't salivate. I don't know if anyone salivates. Um, but when we play that, when you hear those words, buckle up and hold on, it's like, oh, I've got to get to my seat, right? Because it's, it's, it's time for chit-chat is over, and we, we, get, we got to prepare ourselves for worship. But there's this one phrase that it says in the video every single week, and I don't know if maybe subconsciously we hear it. I hope you do. There's this moment in that opening video where the narrator says, we are all broken people, but he is putting us back together. That's shalom. That's the peace that God wants us to understand and experience as we prepare our hearts for Christmas this year. I love this story. It's a story about a king and this king offered a prize for the greatest painting about peace. Like he gave a, a subject. Of, I want you to make me, I want you to create a painting that, that symbolizes, that communicates the message of peace. And so many artists tried 
And, and so the, the artist had painted all their pictures and there were some that were in pencil and there were some that were painted and there was one on an Etch-a-Sketch because Buddy the Elf showed up and he made one on his Etch-a-Sketch. I, we watched Elf. We watch Elf every year when we decorate the tree, so I have Elf on the brain. Um, but there were, there were two paintings that stood out to the king that he really, really, like these, it's down to these two paintings. And so the first painting was this beautiful, I, I th- probably Bob Ross uh, painted it. It was this beautiful, calm, serene lake. And the, the, the lake was this perfect mirror, uh, it, it, it just like the, the beauty of getting up on a, on a warm summer day and, and you're going to go canoeing in Algonquin Park and the water is just like glass. And, and as you look out over the water, it's this perfect mirror reflection. You can see the trees and the mountains and then there's that exact image reflected in the surface of the water. Right? Are you with me? Can you picture what this, what this painting looks like. It's beautiful. It's a blue sky and there's happy little accident clouds uh, in it. And it's just, it's, it's this beautiful, uh, everyone who saw it was like, yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the painting that communicates peace. But the other picture had mountains in it too. And it had water in it too. That uh, I'll never forget that moment uh, when I took my wife to Algonquin Park for the very first time, and um, she she came out, we, we we drove up and we stayed in a motel, and and so this is like a moment that I had anticipated my whole life, uh, as a teenager, like someday I'm going to take my wife to Algonquin Park and we're going to canoe together, and so she's, you know, 20 years of hearing the stories, and and so we get up. And there's that, that mist over the water. And behind the motel where we were staying was this small, cute little pond. And, and the, the water was exactly this perfect mirror surface. A little bit of, of fog over the water. And in my heart, I was just like, it cannot get any better than this. That it, it, like all the things that I love are in the same place. Like I am experiencing shalom, like the beauty of God's creation with the beauty of my wife. And she looks at it and she's like, this? She's, it's, it's rocks and trees and water. We have rocks and trees and water at home. And, <laughs> and I was broken. My shalom was broken. Um. It's kind of how she said it. You can talk to her about it afterwards. She'll defend herself. But this other painting, it's got, it's got rocks and trees and water, just like the first painting did, right? There's, there's mountains and there's water, but there's a difference because the mountains in the second painting were rugged and bare. And the sky above was not a happy little accident, but it's, it was an angry sky that rain falls from it and, and lightning plays in. And, and it's, it, it was, it was harsh. And down the side of this bare mountain is this torrent of a foaming waterfall. And this did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw that behind the waterfall, there was this scraggle of a bush, like clinging for dear life to the rock behind the waterfall. 
And then as he looked even closer, he realized that there was a bird's nest in that bush. And in the bird's nest was a mother bird with her chicks. And so when he saw that, he said, that is the picture of peace. Because in the middle of the rush of angry water sat a mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. He chose that picture because, he said, because peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise or trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all of those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. So I don't know what's going on in your world. If if your Christmas anticipation is creating more chaos than it should. But I want to encourage you today and this week and these next few weeks as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. I want you to be reminded that life is complex and it's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any one of those is out of alignment, when any one of those is missing, your shalom, your peace breaks down and life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored. So we can do a couple of things. First, we can say, God, I need your shalom. I need your peace in my life personally. And there's probably a bunch of us here that can pray that prayer and and just say, God, I feel like my life is Legos all over the floor. There is no completion at all. And I need you to help me bring those pieces together. That's the first thing we should do, can do. And the second one is what Tim described in the video, that it's our job, it's our responsibility as followers of Christ this Christmas season to be agents of shalom. That it's our job not to, not to knock more bricks out of the wall. It's our job to bring that restoration. So I want to encourage you, if you've got relationships that are broken in your family, reach out. Extend grace. Extend. I, I learned this this term when I was in Colorado, um, and it's it's. Uh, if you haven't seen the Mister Rogers movie yet, uh, it's descriptive of Mister Rogers because uh, we he is the epitome of kindness, isn't he? We think about who, uh, not Steve Rogers, uh, Mister Rogers. Steve Rogers is not kind, but kind of he is. Um, Captain America, he's kind of kind. Um, But they use this term uh, in Colorado, a bunch that I loved, um, disruptive kindness. That we would be disruptively kind. That, That the kindness that we bring into the people that are around us, it it stops them in their tracks. Because it's not deserved, it's not earned, it's kindness just because. That, that we, we would see ourselves this Christmas season as God's secret agents of shalom, bringing His peace to the cash register 
when everyone else is hot and ready to tear that poor kid apart, be an agent of shalom. When your family members are driving you crazy, choose disruptive kindness and be an agent of shalom. Lots of smirks and nods and looking at each other this morning. So maybe today was what we needed to hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your peace that passes all understanding. We can't even fathom it. Lord, I ask that today I know there are some folks in this room that their lives feel like the Lego pieces are all over the floor. and There is no shalom. Lord, I pray that You would help us to trust You. You know where every piece goes. You see the wholeness that You intend for our lives. Father, I pray that You would help us to experience that, to reach out to that, to ask for that. You would bring Your peace into our hearts so that when we've experienced it, that when we know that You're with us, that then we can go and be agents of shalom, agents of peace in our families, and in our workplaces, and in our schools, and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shalom. Right? Uh, one thing that didn't get in the announcements, um, this Saturday is the Hilton Christmas tree lighting. Uh, it is early this year. It is, um, I believe it starts... At 5.30, uh, normally it started, there's a thing on the wall, holiday lights, is there a time on there? It's earlier this year, I think by a half an hour. Yeah, we'll shoot on it. anyways, uh, the Christmas tree lights, um, the Christmas tree lighting is out here. Um, and so we just invite you to come whenever we figure out what time it is. Uh, Jesse's going to be leading the Christmas carol singing, um, so that'll be fun. And uh, it's just a real fun way to celebrate and uh, get things started. Santa will be coming, and then there'll be cookies and crafts. Uh, FYI, for those that help with setup, if you're able to stick around and help us, we can't set up until after 8.30 p.m. Um, because this will be full of cookies, hopefully not full of cookies and glitter and whatever, frosting, um, sprinkles. I think we've successfully banned sprinkles from the cookie decorating because um, that makes setup so much fun. Um, but we love our friends at Hilton Parma Rec, and uh, we want to partner and help them. And if you have not seen my mom to get a Christmas basket family, uh, my mom has two families left. And uh, so please, um, if you want to partner together with another family to do that, you can do that. Blessings. Have a great week.